in a quaint tavern in the kin city of Udeello, the party has reunited. Val in tears, Lerotes, Rolandier, revealing themselves to have been in this time for more than they first let on. Looks of confusion abound, as then also the child, Lunavra, has entered the picture. It's silent for a moment between the eight of you, until Kelnius finally speaks up and says, Right. And that's all. And then she just walks straight through the circle, over to the bar, grabs something from behind, uncorks it, and begins downing it. Lerotz uh, quickly walks up to her and says, No, no, that's that's probably a little weak. Hold on. And he grabs something else from outside under the bar, hands that to her, takes that one from her. Bit stiffer. While Leros is fixing drinks for those who need to imbibe something strong, Rolandier picks back up the manuscript from off the table and approaches Luna, who has just revealed herself. Luna, I was just telling Rotz, I got everything. Takel was immensely helpful. Do you think this will work? I hope so. We'll see. Now, I don't want to interrupt things here, but what is going on? I would also like an explanation, yeah. I think now is a good time that everyone grab a drink. Let's sit down and let's figure out what the hell happened. Well, I must say, it is always a good time for a drink, though I must say. Well, and, uh, 10 a.m. is a little early, even for you. See, you haven't changed much over the years. And so he pulls out a bunch of, yeah, it was like a huge stack of mugs and these like really thin, sinewy hands. He's got one for everyone. They're all filled up, and he gestures to kind of the biggest table in the room. You know, it's not a very large room, but the biggest table in there, and he kind of gestures everyone over there. Probably drops about a third of the beer in each mug by gesturing with his hands, and he he kind of goes over there, leading everyone to sit down and chat. As everyone gathers around the table, Rolando's focus is first fixated on Val, who as he had mentioned when he first came in, was not in the best of moods. And he just says, how long have you been here? What's happened? Although I can imagine it's not very long. I'm assuming this is regarding your family, yes? I arrived last night. And Kelnius raises her hand and says, and I just five days ago. We arrived about a month ago. Hey, you've all done a damn well spot better than we did. How long has it been right out there? Forty years? It's got to be closer to 45 at least. Yeah, I know. I was a little afraid I wasn't going to make it, to be honest. 513 is old even for the kin. Val starts crying all over again. <laughs> Lerotz <laughs> turns to Val and says, oh, Come now, lad. That's all right. Hands him another drink. Val's just holding two drinks now. No, no, so, so he hands him another drink, and he does that sort of, I'm going to make you drink this, in a not necessarily grandfatherly, but in a familiar way, as he did know him fairly well uh, when Val was quite young, probably in his 20s. And also, I don't think this was mentioned, Lerotz is like a sinewy, old guy. Like, he's not big, you know, big strong no he's like there is nothing to this being except for sinew muscle and bone and he's like totally wrinkled and he's got this hair that's just white 
And he doesn't have a beard anymore. He's just, he's old. Last 45 years have been really hard. (laughs) No, so all of the aging, most of the aging for Ken is like the last 10 years of their life. So they're all like, oh, you're pretty good, kind of stuck at middle age. And then those last 10 years hit, and it's just downhill. And he's super old. He's like really quite old for Ken. As Leroth slash Valentine is comforting Val with drink. Val is not drinking, by the way. <laughs> he's just he's just like mumbling, like blubbering to himself. This is my fault. This is my fault. Leroth is insisting, and it's just spilling drink all over Val. <laughs> this is a disaster. <laughs> and kind of like doing that side glance, like noticing it's happening, but trying to ignore it. Orlando just keeps talking. All right, well, clearly Lerotz and I have been here the longest, and funnily enough, Val, this is actually where we first met you. I was there as well for your fifth birthday party. It was quite the celebration. But anyways, um, I have spent the majority of my time enlisted in the Kin military. I've been trying to focus as much as I can on learning intent, learning how to wield it. It's amazing the things that they know here, the things they can do. But it is still a very, very rigorous practice. I myself have been able to learn some things, but Luna here and I, well, perhaps you can give them a bit more information on the work we've been doing, he says, turning to Luna. Of course. She turns to Val. What's Val's current emotional state? Still crying? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He got his friends teleported 45 years in the past. He's a wreck. Oh, that's what he's crying about? I thought it was the parents thing. All of it. (laughs) It's a lot. This is a a bad couple of hours for Val. Best 45 years of his life. He's been taking care of this in never been happier. Adventuring is for suckers. Luna actually reaches her hand across the table and places her hand on top of Val's and says, please, you need to gather your senses and your wits about you there's a lot we have to do there's a lot hanging on all of us right now you're the one i've been speaking to haven't i Uh, yeah that's me well i guess it's good to finally meet you in person and luna looks a little oddly at the other elfkin and elverette gathered around the table they're all different than i thought they were going to be though is they are disguised i assure you this is a safe place i'm gonna leave seeming on but i will change their appearances to look as they do so everyone looks like themselves now then looking at the now humans gathered around the table she's like oh good one from every corner you're americ aren't you she says to Efron. yes i've never been so far as Ilya, but i've heard beautiful stories it is a beautiful place Perhaps someday you will be lucky enough to visit Ilya. And you, you're you're a Demlik? She says to Brynja. Yes, but how have you two lived here among the kin? Rolandir answering just says, Well, the first month was not easy, let me assure you. I actually suddenly appeared, my disguise dropping at a very inopportune moment and revealing that I was indeed a human. I was imprisoned, questioned... Treated fairly, however, but in time I was able to convince them of my mission as a godborn, but not of Sereth, who 
possibly would have killed me on the spot. And I would have helped them. But, yes. But rather of Sindor and... Honestly, they were surprised. Didn't know how to respond, and more so left it in my hands to prove whether or not I would be friend or foe. And I had no reason to be foe, so I was friend. And I needed their help. Very well. And as for me, Luna speaks up, I believed I was godborn for a time. And then it turns out I'm something else entirely. So, suffice to say, I I, I don't think it's quite necessary to go into right now, but I will say this. I'm more powerful when it comes to intent than possibly any being that currently walks this earth. And so disguising myself or moving around as I will is quite easy, actually. It's quite unfair, actually, is what it is. <laughs> he says with a smile on his face. Yeah, I'll say. I have every right to be here, and I can't get around as easy as she does. Truly distressing. Well, I suppose we could talk all night with tales of things that have happened, and I'm sure you have things to share as well. But as Luna has said, there is much that needs to be done, and they are pressing matters. If everyone has finished their drinks, he says, kind of motioning, especially to Leroz, who is still proffering many beverages to everyone, um, <laughs> I think we should show you something downstairs. Let's go. Luna turns to everyone as they're sort of standing, getting out, out of their chairs, and says, Rolandir's told me of this mission that you've received from the being you call the Wanderer, and then this other mission you've received from Vale. And then this other assignment you now have from a Quenberg woman who I don't know. But regardless, you've gotten yourselves in a great deal of trouble and very little time. I'm hoping I can help you out, but... Oh, we'll see. And she follows Rolandir. However, before going downstairs with everyone else, Kelnias actually waits just at the top for Val to catch up, and she stops him. Val, I know I'm not the most sentimental character, but it's not your fault. There were four of us in that circle last night, <laughs> two nights ago. Sorry, I'm just still getting attuned to the whole thing. And if what had happened hadn't have happened, then who knows where we'd be right now. Obviously, Rolandir's made some great headway, and this mysterious girl that you've been talking to for what, weeks now? She's here, right? That's something. It is something, yeah. I I don't know. It is a lot to try to synthesize all at once, and I don't know that I'm doing a very good job. I have been given very little time to really think about anything at all, and I am sorry to say that it has crossed my mind that I... I don't know. Perhaps I should never have left home. Perhaps I should not have gone to that party at this. Well, I mean, if we've learned anything today, it... Look, she just gestures to around the inn, kind of implying Leirotes. Doesn't look like you had a choice. And then she takes off down the stairs. Yeah, maybe. So, Erlandir leads you down into the cellar, and you notice a wine cellar that's kind of separate from this hallway we're going down, and we walk past that, and 
kind of in the corner of the room, there's a hatch that's hidden away. You almost don't notice it until Rolander pulls it open, and there's a spiraling staircase descending even further down into a secondary cellar. As you were all following Rolandier down this passage, Luna looks over her shoulder up at Mick. You know, and there's little candle-lit alcoves that shed light on you as you journey down and down. And Luna just looks up at Mick and says, You look Talik, but you're not Talik, are you? And why do you say that? I can feel the essence of every living and unliving thing moving through here, and there's none of it in you. You're not from this world. Well, can you keep a secret? I mean, do they not already know? Ah, I'm just messing with you. Of course they know. I am not from this world, as you said. Actually, I'm a little bit of a shapeshifter, if you will. Interesting. What's your name? Yes, my name is actually Mick, but you may call me Mickey. I'll call you Mickey. I like you. I like you as well, Luna. And she follows Rolandier. All right, so we continue down. We go down this uh, this stairway, and it starts kind of transforming the area around you. It comes into this hollowed-out chamber in the floor with stone, and there's these larger stone obelisks and kind of strange arcane contraptions that are focused around the center of this room. And... Rolandier waits for everyone to finish descending around the stairs, and he kind of just motions for everyone to make a circular formation around this thing. And just to be clear, this room is like a 500-foot dome. Luna says, we've been constructing this for a bit of time now, and after learning of your mission and what needed to be done, I think that this, paired with the knowledge that we can gain from this manuscript, we can focus intent channel it more precisely and hopefully transport ourselves to these Valor realms where you can do battle with these aspects you know i must say i am entirely underwhelmed by your old reaction i've spent the last 40 years repairing the ground here encouraging young val on his way waiting and waiting for you all to show up and the best i get is a sarcastic wow i am disappointed I cannot believe it. Is it not a quest to go and kill these Vaylords? Come now, uh, who's ready? Just let me close up the shop. I've got to call the boy over. Don't want to lose any income while I'm gone. Lerots, Valentine, whichever. Please, Lerots to my friend. Are you quite sure you are, um, that you are still um, up to the task? I do not wish to be rude, but your physique is much altered since the last time I saw you. You know, Efrad, you were not the one I expected to hear this from. Maybe from this dunderheaded oaf. And he goes over and he smacks the more chiseled Brynir again on the back and he says, but if you truly think you must test my metal, come at you then. There's nothing here with me except for these two fists and I'll still give you a wallop or two. And he sets himself up in a, in a fighting stance ready to go. All right, all right. That That is quite enough, Lerots. I don't think we need to demonstrate your clearly, clearly adept prowess. I think we you all... You know, I was tired when you made that joke 30 years ago, and I'm tired now that he's made it again. I won't be done with my fighting days until I'm at least 527. So if you could all calm down, 
I might have lost a little weight, but there's still a yellow fight yet in this one. Has he lost any height? He probably stoops a bit more, so yeah, I guess he has, but I mean, he's still pretty tall. <laughs> Redirecting the conversation back to this device in the room, Rolandier addresses the group and just says, anyways, we have been waiting, quite honestly, for quite some time. Fortunately, I've been able to make good contacts in the intelligence division of the military here, and we've been able to pinpoint pretty well about the time frame that we should expect everyone here, but now that it's actually here, it's still hard to believe all this time has passed. And now more addressing Val and Kilnaeus just says, I know you've only been here a very, very short time, and quite honestly, the amount of information that you need to process, I can't imagine. If you are ready, and we can give you a moment if you need it, we should carry on. I don't see how I have a choice. And then Kelnias looks at Rolandier. I'd have to agree. Besides, I'm just ready to keep moving. Lidot's overhearing this, goes over to Val, turns to him and says, Now, if I know you, like I've got two over these years, you are without a doubt. I don't know, blaming yourself for our current predicament, maybe for the predicament of your parents. I'm not what some might call wise, but I can say this. I didn't spend 20 years teaching you to love humans and go seek them for you to conk out on us now. I'm sure your parents are fine. I'm going to tell you the truth. The time I've had in this inn, some of the most calm and best times of my life. Why? I remember when you had your birthday here all those years ago. What a fine vintage that was. Indeed. Anyway, get steady up there, lad. We'll push on through. I'm sure your family's fine. And to be honest, I know those 40 years were good for Red Andir as well. He had quite the drinking problem after we got back, but he's come around by I now. I did not, Laros. Look. <laughs> <laughs> You could keep telling yourself that, but if I hadn't pulled you out of the gutter that first day, you'd be inside a jail until today. You'd be lucky if you'd managed to get to a rehabilitation colony. Regardless. But steady on, lad. Steady on. We have some aspects to kill, if I'm not wrong. Then point me at them. Luna unfurls the manuscript and places it on a sort of altar near the head of a large circle in the middle of the room, about a hundred feet in diameter with different tracings and etchings on the stone that have been made. And she says, Just give me one one moment here. I think, yes, yes, there is one that I could take us to. Well, maybe not all of us. I can send you. I won't be able to go. But I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you've all actually been there before. It's the plain of Badrahan. Or perhaps, as you might have known it from the sanguine tongue, Barasurak. You can take us there. I can send you there. Almost on the doorstep of this creature that you'll have to face. From what Itfran told me, they needed to, to collect different shards to get out of these planes. How do you suppose we would come back? I will take you back. I'll give you two hours. It's honestly probably as long as I can hold it. You'll have two hours to find this aspect and destroy it. I must implore you, though, to be careful. Batahan is, 
as you've probably found out, not a Valor you want to cross, and you shouldn't have any interaction with him per se, but his aspect is no different. They call him Valkus, the Corrosive. Stories and such paint him as a massive elfkin, covered from head to toe in armor that's been grafted, sewn into his very skin, rusted, wearing away. They say whatever touches him decays, and he's not so malevolent, but mindless in his destruction. That's what awaits you. Well, we should be ready then. Now we go upstairs, fetch some things. Can't go off fighting in a shirt and pants, can you? Well, maybe that old armor still fits me. So Lerots is going to go upstairs. Um, he's going to grab all of his equipment. I mean, everyone else already has their crap, but he was minding an inn. So he goes upstairs. He grabs some of his equipment. He remembers to grab something that he forgot. And he calls over the boy who lives uh, down the road, which he had prepared for, kind of have him on call, take over the inn while he's gone. Doesn't want to lose any revenue. And as soon as Lerots is like out of sight on the spiral staircase, Kelnius turns to everyone's like, he should probably not be coming. Am I the only one thinking this? Uh, good luck stopping him. <laughs> Roland here just gets this wide grin on his face and he says, I have tried talking him out of this every year for the past 45 years. It's impossible. Especially now that he is so as he is. I think he needs to come. I think it will do him well. And, and he kind of looks back up the stairs to see if he's coming down. <laughs> if he is to meet his end, it will be the happiest he's been in a long, long time, regardless of what he tells you. So, Lerotz comes down. He is in what could be classified as ill-fitting armor. It has actually already been adjusted once since he lost about 100 pounds. 100? 100 pounds? He was like seven feet tall. 100 pounds? <laughs> seven and you feet can tall too. and 100 pounds? That is so much weight. That is so much weight. Well, keep in mind, he was the exact opposite of sinewy before. He was gigantic, bulky Kratos. He was like, he was like Brynir. Holy, yeah, but even if he was 400 pounds, which is a lot, that would still be a quarter of his mass. How is this guy alive? He's old. He's sinewy. And he's probably not very alive. Freaking Louise. Okay. 100 fetching pounds. So he comes down in some ill-fitting armor, wielding a trusty glaive, shield strapped across his back. You do see him kind of stumble at the bottom of the stairs, and he's just like, All right, sorry about that. Haven't been in it in a while. Takes some getting used to. Val will go over and steady him. Thank you, that's very kind. And remind me, when we get back, I have something to give you. Uh, About six months ago, your father came by. I had asked him to visit me. I had something to tell you. He said you weren't here. And uh, he uh, just left a note for you. I'd give it to you now, except for... I don't think we want to risk losing it. And he walks toward the group, the area there. I do not mean to state the obvious, but if this being is corrosive, like you've said, how are we to fight it? I don't know. Being a cursed being, susceptible, of course, to anything that could break curses. But I have read also that, and maybe this is folklore, 
for those who purported to see him, but that cold wards him off. I'm sorry, and Luna just shrugs. I don't have anything more helpful. I wish I could accompany you, but it will take all of my concentration to keep you there. Well, I think between the seven of us, now that we are back at our full strength, and he gives Lerolt a hearty pat on the back in his armor, and it kind of clingles back and forth in it, like, yeah, it, it, <laughs> this is like a clang, hollow, a hollow clang on his back. I think we'll be all right. But as you said, two hours, hopefully, if things go poorly, that should be enough time for us to make some sort of venture away from the being so you can pull us out in time. Right then, I think we're ready. And he kind of clasps his hands together in a giddy manner. Yes, what are we waiting for? Send us through, Luna, unless you sorry excuses for warriors need some time to wipe your chins. Come on. Where the godborn goes, I follow. I am ready whenever you are. And Efron goes, and he stands in the spot that Rolandier or somebody had designated earlier when he told us to stand in a circle. And Mick also, because I did think that that was a good idea, gestures to others and starts to at least hold the shoulders of the people next to him, suspecting that maybe you need to touch or it might be one of those things where you get teleported somewhere else accidentally. Anyways, Mick does that. We have had a negative experience with teleporting recently, so I can understand why you would do something of that sort. All of our experiences teleporting have been somewhat negative. (laughs) (laughs) Rolandier follows, kind of adjusting some armor that he donned in the time while Lerotz was getting himself prepared as well and joins them. Kelniace also walks into the circle and stands with the group. So does Val. He kind of gives a look at Luna, a, a bit of an appraising, scrolling look, as he does. Luna unfurls the manuscript, reading it on this altar, saying words and very old, old Kinlish that probably only Val understands bits of and Leirotes grasps a little bit more and everyone else is completely lost on what she's saying. And then she pushes that paper aside and starts reading this other manuscript that's written in a spiral and she starts speaking Mazic and Kelnius perks up and looks over. And I think only Val is the only other one that speaks Mazic. Mm-hmm. And then she moves to a third manuscript and she starts speaking another tongue, the tongue of Urveil, which is the Sanguine language, which I know Ifran knows and Rolandia knows, and I'm not sure if anyone else does. And then finally, she takes the last piece of parchment there and she begins speaking in a language that none of you understand. These words that are harsh and guttural and loud and growing in timber and force and volume as her voice begins to echo throughout this chamber little sparks of light emitting from the tips of these stone obelisks surrounding you the different patterns beneath your feet beginning to glow with this blue purple radiant light eventually enveloping you all as you hear one loud crack as luna finishes one final consonant of this chant And you are no longer standing in this magic circle, in this dome beneath the tavern. But you've been transported to a place that, at least for most of you, you've been before. You see jagged red and orange rocks 
a dim sky, permanently in a dusky twilight. The ruins of cities and civilizations all about you for miles on end in this desert that has no bounds. And treading through this wasteland in front of you, you see a figure around 12, maybe 14 feet tall in this massive suit of armor, carrying on its back a dozen different blades, all notched, all broken, all decayed and one massive sword dragging along in the sand behind it as its iron-clad feet kick up dust and dirt every time it moves this creaking of metal grinding against itself flakes and bits of this rusted armor flying off into the winds and Lerotz is looking the opposite way and just says, ah, That is truly a lovely landscape, isn't it? My friends, I believe we have found who we are looking for. Uh, Lerotz, um, if you would look this way. Oh, yes, of course. Into battle, isn't it? Well then, no sense in waiting. And he knocks down his visor, steadies his glaive. Lerotz, please, uh, b- before, before we engage, perhaps we should... Yeah, what's there to talk about? You need coal, you need that dagger. Either way, we need one of us close. So you grab the knife formerly known as the Shards of Imin. You there, Val, whip up some coal for us. We'll chop this bad boy up in about ten minutes. Lerotz, I advise you to stay behind me. The next one of you young ones who patronizes me gets their nose chopped off. On we go, now. Like, he's charging, but again, he's kind of old. So it's like that old man run that Harrison Ford does in The Force Awakens when he's running down the Millennium Falcon Hall and he's not really going that fast. And the Fron just like walks by him. Oh, he, well, with the Fron's walking speed, easily he does. Like, Fron's not even breaking a sweat. But he's, he's, getting, he's getting momentum to go against this guy. Rolandier keeps pace with Lerotz in his charge. Uh, Brynjir also is kind of uh, trying to stay in front of him with his shield and warhammer drawn. And also Mick wants to as we're going, is there any rocks around here? Well, you said they're like red and are they far from us? I'm just curious. It's mostly an open expanse but there's plenty of rocks around. Okay, I'm gonna pick up one for my later move. Kelniace breaks out into a run behind you all and draws her blades. Ifron uh, starts picking up speed as he's wrapping his hands a little bit of cloth, like like a fighter. I think Val will just kind of like take a very deep breath and sort of like flex his hands around his staff and just shake his head and keep going. And as you all begin to close the distance between yourselves and this being who could only be Valkus, it creaks as it comes to a stop and slowly turns its helmeted head to look toward you. And in this voice that's booming yet muffled by this iron plating that covers its body, it just says, The corruption will take all of you. And then with surprising deafness, he plants one foot forward, one behind him, and hoisting this massive sword behind hoists it above his head, grips it with two hands, and smashes it down right into the earth. 